We're less than a week away from the start of preseason camp, and there are several players in the Notre Dame roster who are about to enter the most pivotal season of their football careers. Find out who next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Friday, July 21st, so happy Friday to you. And thanks, as always, for making this your first listen of the day. This show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button if you have not already. My name is Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and have been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. I know during yesterday's show, I had mentioned that I was planning on having Greg Flamung on today to talk about our expectations for Marcus Freeman in his second year as head coach. But unfortunately, Greg had something come up at the last minute, so he wasn't able to come on. But no worries, we're going to have him on at some point once he's back from vacation and camp is underway. Instead, I'm going to be flying solo today, and I'll go over which players are entering make-or-break seasons in 2023. These are veterans entering their junior or senior seasons who haven't really accomplished a ton in their college careers up to this point, but have a great opportunity to turn their careers around this season and finish strong. And let's start with the academic seniors who've been around since 2020. The 2020 recruiting class finished 18th in the 24-7 sports composite. That year, the Irish brought in 17 players. One is already in the NFL. His name is Michael Mayer. Six other players have left the program due to transfer or they medically retired. So there are only 10 guys left on the roster from this class. And here are the guys who are ineligible from this exercise because they've already been a starter uh, or accomplished enough on the field that at this point, I feel like we know what we're going to get. The first one is running back turned wide receiver Chris Tyree. Now, I know that you can make the argument that maybe this is a make or break year for Chris Tyree because uh, he was a good running back, but he was never the elite five-star running back that we thought we were getting out of high school. But he's accomplished enough, and he's been a regular contributor since his freshman season. Uh, Now he's going to be playing a much different role this season as a slot wide receiver, but he's already made an impact. He's a hit, not maybe the best running back we thought we were getting coming out of high school, but still he's been a really productive player. So he's he doesn't have a make-or-break season this year. He's already accomplished enough. Next up, you got Riley Mills, defensive tackle. Honestly, you can make the same argument for Mills as you did with Tyree, where he's been a starter, he's already accomplished a decent amount, but the expectations compared to what he's actually produced on the field might not always align, okay? Now, that could all change this season with Riley Mills, but still, he's been a starter. Uh, he's been effective enough that I don't think he's entering a make-or-break season. This is going to be his second full season as a starter. He's a hit for me, as well as quarterback Clarence Lewis. Um, Even though his career has been kind of up and down, considering his recruiting ranking, he was a low three-star. No one really had that high of hopes with him, but he's uh, exceeded those expectations so far. He started several games. Now he's going to be used more as reserve, but I expect him to be on the field quite a bit this season, backing up the corners or at Nichols. So, They're not really entering make-or-break seasons. Chris Tyree, Riley Mills, and Clarence Lewis, we know what we're getting out of those guys. Does that mean they could be better? For sure. But they're not really in this, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen with them kind of season. There's also a few guys who I'm crossing off because I just don't think it's ever going to happen for them in Notre Dame. Um, These are guys who've already been jumped by younger players, and their path to the field, uh, especially as starters at this point, is pretty murky. At best, they're quality backups. They're kind of like that air hockey table you bought a few years ago. First, when you got it, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to use it all the time. And what are they to you now? Honestly, most air hockey tables are just dust collectors in the basement. So it's probably time to move on from that. Frankly, at this point, I have moved on uh, from expecting any of these players to be big-time contributors at Notre Dame. 
tackle slash guard, Tosh Baker, tackle slash guard, Michael Carmody, tight end, Kevin Bauman, and defensive tackle, Aiden Kainaina. I understand that this is kind of harsh, and injuries have played a big part in why these guys haven't been able to do a lot in their careers, but at this point, I just don't see it happening. Tosh Baker, credit to him for sticking around. Honestly, there's not many guys who would have stuck around in his position considering he was jumped by Joe Alt, and it doesn't look like he's ever going to have a chance to start at Notre Dame, but he's still there, and he's fighting for a backup spot at tackle or guard. Michael Carmody, same deal. I thought he had a good chance to maybe compete for that starting guard competition going into spring practice. Then I think he got hurt on like the first day, and then we never really heard from him again. So I don't expect that to change in the fall. Maybe it will, but I doubt it. Kevin Bauman, I'm really unfortunate for him because when him and Michael Mayer came in together, there was a lot of talk, obviously, about how good Michael Mayer could be and then ended up being. And then Bauman was sort of that underrated, hey, look out for this guy too. Mayer's getting all the attention, but this guy's really talented. But it seems like Kevin Bauman just keeps getting injured. That's really unfortunate for him. Uh, but he's at a point now where he's kind of getting buried on the depth chart. He's recovering from another significant knee injury. So I just don't really see a path for him this year beyond maybe being that number two tight end in 12 personnel. And then Aiden Kayanina, again, another injury. He suffered a torn ACL, missed all of last season. And I know that there are some people who are pretty high on him. There was a point in time, though, where it looked like he wasn't even going to be on the team. I don't know if he's one of those guys who had that end-of-year meeting with the coaching staff, and they were basically like, hey, you're never going to play here. Transfer. There have been some reports that was the case with him, but he's still on the roster. He's still competing for a spot, but I don't really think he's going to be a big-time contributor at all at Notre Dame. That leaves us with three guys in the senior class, and each of these three guys project to be day one starters this season or at least have a clear path to start week one, and their play is going to have a big impact on how this team finishes. So these are three guys who are entering definitive make-or-break seasons. The first one is obvious, defensive end Jordan Battelle. He is the key to Notre Dame's pass rush this season. He had two sacks in the Gator Bowl and was very disruptive when he was on the field, but frankly, he just wasn't on the field a whole lot last year, which is surprising because when he was, he was very efficient, but I think it showed that the coaching staff didn't fully trust him in different spots, but that's all going to change this season. Like I said, he is the key to the pass rush. He's the starting Viper, and the pass rush is a big concern that a lot of fans and people who cover the team have right now about the Notre Dame defense. But if Jordan Botel is able to come in, be reliable, be consistent, uh, and just be disruptive as consistently as he was last year, just with significantly more snaps, that's going to be huge for this Notre Dame defensive line and really the defense as a whole. So he needs to be great. Honestly, he can't really just be good. He needs to be great for this team to go where they want to go because great teams need a great pass rush. And of all the guys on the Notre Dame defensive line right now, Jordan Botello looks like he's going to have the chance to be the best pass rusher on the team. Hopefully, he delivers this year in 2023. Behind him, I have safety Xavier Watts. And this isn't an indictment on him. He's had to go through a lot in his career so far. He was recruited as a wide receiver. Then they converted him to safety. And then they almost had to convert him back to wide receiver last year once Avery Davis went down because they just didn't have enough wide receivers. They were cross-training him for a little bit. And then finally, the coaching staff was like, no, we're putting him at safety. We're keeping him there because that's where we think he's going to be best in college. And during the second half of last season, we started to see why. He was a really good player, uh, and he sort of became the best safety on Notre Dame's defense. Now, you can make the case that, wow, being the best safety on the Notre Dame's defense is like, you know, what is that, right? It's really not a big accomplishment. But I think that's selling him short. I think he became a playmaker in the second half of last season. He finished with 54 total tackles, one sack, two TFLs, and four passes defended last season. And he was making more plays back there than any of the other safeties, uh, more than Brandon Joseph, who we thought was going to be a big-time player when he came over from Northwestern. 
This year, he's going to have not only a chance to be a starter, but a chance to be a real difference maker at the back end of the defense. I have high hopes for him. I know the coaching staff has high hopes for him as well, and a lot of people around the program think he's going to have a really great year. I do too, and the only reason I have him in this make-or-break category because I'm kind of like, all right, if he doesn't make that leap this year, it's just probably not going to happen. Like, it's rare that guys play consistently, and then they just sort of remain average. And then the last year of their careers, they jump up and become great players. I know that there's guys who have great senior years, like um, Jonas Gray comes to mind. Javon McKinley also did pretty well. But I think it's a little bit different because McKinley started to get a lot better out of necessity and wasn't really seeing the field that much until his senior year, whereas Watts is going to be on the field a lot this year, and he was last year as well. So I think he's going to be really good, but I think if it doesn't happen this season, it's just not going to happen at all. The same could be said about another safety, Ramon Henderson. Um, he finished fifth in snaps among the safeties during the regular season in 2022, but he had 51 in the bowl game, which was second behind Xavier Watts, who led the team with 61 snaps. Or not led the team, led the safeties. It's also 10 more snaps than D.J. Brown got last season. D.J. Brown surprised us when he decided to come back to Notre Dame for his sixth year, I believe it is. And now the safeties added Thomas Harper and Antonio Carter into the mix. So where does that leave Ramon Henderson? You can make the case that Thomas Harper is going to be playing mostly nickel. Antonio Carter could be rotating at safety and nickel. And then you've got DJ Brown. But with Ramon, it's kind of got to be now. Because I think that had the coaching staff had more confidence in him, they would not have been as aggressive as they were going out and getting Harper and getting Carter in the transfer portal. I think if they were more confident in Ramon Henderson's abilities, then they would have been maybe fine with just one of those transfers. Okay, They needed at least one for numbers, but then they got another because Antonio Carter probably is going to play a lot more this season. So... I think Ramon Henderson is going to be used. He'll be he'll be probably used most frequently in that big dime packages that they uh, they like to run a little bit last year. But he's had a position change in his career as well. He was a converted corner to safety, and I think that he has a chance this year to make a difference. But if it doesn't happen now, he's definitely going to be a transfer candidate after this season. So that's it for the senior class. Now let's switch over to the juniors who are entering their make or break season in 2023 after this message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So, the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. If you're watching along on YouTube, this is your reminder to please like the video and subscribe. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe there as well. Now let's move on to the junior class. Some of these guys have more than two years left of eligibility, so they might not be true juniors. But for the sake of this exercise, I'm referring to them as juniors because they're academically juniors. The class of 2021 finished ninth in the team composite that year and brought in 27 total enrollees, 10 more than the previous class. But since then, 15 of the 27 in that class have already left the program via transfer or medical redshirt. So there's only 12 guys left on the roster from this recruiting class. It's certainly a high number, but it's worth pointing out that since these new guys arrived on campus, Notre Dame has hired a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinators. This was Brian Kelly's last full class, even though he was definitely a big part of the 2022 class. He was not there on signing day. He had already left for LSU by that point. So let's go through the guys we already know are hits. Right tackle, Blake Fisher. 
That one's obvious. He was the highest-rated recruit in that class and was a starter from day one. First at left tackle, then he suffered that knee injury, and then has moved over to right tackle because a guy named Joe Alt, also in this class, is also a hit. He's an All-American at left tackle. So those are two hits right there, both in the offensive line and could be all-time hits later on. So we don't have to talk about that. Audrey Estime, he's a hit. We know that already. He's accomplished enough in his career. Sure, there were some highs and lows last year, but this year he figures to be a really, really special back at Notre Dame. And even though he's going to have to carry a little bit more of the load with Logan Diggs gone, who is also in this class, um, I think Audrey Gessime is going to have a big, big year. And uh, this might be his last year at Notre Dame because I think he has a chance to go to the NFL after this season. Then you got wide receiver Jane Thomas. This one's a little bit different because statistically he hasn't put up as much numbers as some of these other guys have. But I think he's clearly the wide receiver number one going into this season. We saw a little bit of what that connection with him and Sam Hartman looks like in the spring game. They came out dialed in, and Jane Thomas looked really, really good. So even though he hasn't produced as much on the field, I think he showed enough last year and in the spring game, and based on everything we've heard about him from the coaching staff and stuff uh, around practices and things like that, I think it's safe to say that he's already a hit or he's definitely going to be this season. He is not a player that I'm worried about. So most of these guys, they've just got a chance from going from being really good to great this season, but they've already made, all right? And since these guys have only been around for a couple of years uh, and are going to year three, I have three names written down as wait and see. The first one is Rocco Spindler, and the second one is Pat Coogan. It's not really surprising that two of these guys are offensive linemen uh, because when things are going well recruiting-wise like they have been at Notre Dame, it's really hard for young guys to get on the field on the offensive line during their first two seasons unless they're truly special like Blake Fisher, Joe Wall, two guys I just mentioned, and potentially Billy Shrouth because he's going to be entering his sophomore season academically, technically redshirt freshman, but still he's projected to start, and that's because I think he's really special. So you could make the case, certainly, that this is a make-or-break year for Rocco Spindler, but... If he's able to assert himself as the first guy off the bench on the interior this season, whether it be at left guard, right guard, uh, his real make-or-break season is probably going to happen next year once Andrew Kostovich, the projected starting right guard, once he graduates. At that point, if Spindler's not a starter, then it's never going to happen for him. And you could definitely say that if he doesn't become a starter this season, then he's just going to transfer. Hey, that, that definitely could be true. But I think he showed some stuff in the spring that makes me think he's going to wait around one more year, and I think he's going to be a starter on the team next season. There's also definitely a scenario where maybe Kristofich gets the start uh, at the beginning of the season, and then Spindler works his way into a starting role maybe halfway through or after a few games, depending on how things go. That could definitely happen. So in that sense, maybe it's a make-or-break year, but I still think if Spindler sticks around for one more year next season, could be a, a time when he really takes off, and then he, he could just be a late bloomer. Pat Coogan, same deal. I think he's going to be around. He didn't come in with that same level of recruiting pedigree, so him waiting around makes sense and trying to find a time to get on the field late in his career, sort of like Andrew Kostovich. I, I don't think he's going to make or break here at all. But then you've got defensive tackle Gabriel Rubio. I think he's going to see the field a lot this season uh, as the backup to Riley Mills. But I'm not ready to say this is going to be a make-or-break year because he's not going to be a starter, and he's still pretty young. Um, he played 184 total snaps on defense last season, including the bowl game, and registered 18 tackles, including four TFLs. So I think Rubio is going to take a big step this year. He could potentially force his way uh, into becoming a starter later in the year, but I still think we're in wait-and-see mode. I think we've seen flashes, but not enough to where you're like, all right, he's definitely going to be a great player. He's sort of in that in-between, so that's why I've got him here. All right, this next group is a little weird, and I feel like it's too harsh to say it's never going to happen uh, for these guys because they both have three years of eligibility left, so I guess I'll just say I doubt 
they end up being contributors at Notre Dame. It's like when you see an old friend out the night before Thanksgiving who you haven't talked to in like a decade and you're like, yeah, sure, dude, like great seeing you. Let's definitely hang out more for sure. It's definitely going to happen. You know, it's a good idea in theory. And hey, maybe you start to run into each other a little bit more often, but we both know it's never really going to happen. All right. That's kind of how I look at these two players. Again, harsh, but let's just be real with ourselves. I've got Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker. They both play cornerback. They've both been passed up by younger players. They both play behind Benjamin Morrison. And even though Benjamin Morrison probably only has two more seasons left, I just don't really see a scenario where Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker are ever seeing the field on Saturdays a lot unless, you know, there's a bunch of injuries. I don't see them earning that playing time. Clarence Lewis is in front of them as well. Um, If you want to say they can move to nickel, well, then they're behind Thomas Harper, potentially Antonio Carter and Clarence Lewis there as well. And this this is sort of the same thing that I said about Ramon Henderson, where it's like if the coaching staff really felt confident in these guys, they trusted them, they're like, all right, you know, maybe this year they're not going to be great, but next year we think they're going to be really good. I don't think the coaching staff would have been as aggressive going into the portal and finding these guys. And considering how we talked about that position, not just the safety position, but also nickel, it, it, it was like a guarantee. It was like Notre Dame has to go out and get guys or this defense is going to be really, really bad. I think that tells you what people think of Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker. Again, they're still relatively young. There's a chance that they could become late bloomers, but I just I just don't see it really happening for them at Notre Dame. So really that leaves us with three guys. And the first one I've got up here is wide receiver Deion Colsey. It's got to be now for him, in my opinion. Last year he had nine receptions, 192 yards, and a touchdown, most of which came in the second half of last season when he really started to come on, and that was good to see. But we thought he'd build off that especially in spring practice, and then based on some of the quotes that Chancey Stuckey had and based on some of the people who were able to attend practice, what they saw from him, it wasn't sort of the jump that you were hoping for with Deion Colsey. He had four receptions for 67 yards his freshman season, and that's only a five-catch difference from freshman year to sophomore year, and that's just not enough because Deion Colsey has the size and the speed to be a really effective college wide receiver. He's six foot four and three quarters, so he's basically six five. He's two hundred eleven pounds, and Notre Dame just doesn't have that many dudes in their wide receiver room who has that type of size. Like Sam Hartman needs Deion Colsey to be on the field and to be effective because Sam Hartman loves throwing those back shoulders. Deion Colsey is like the perfect type of body and just the position that he plays, the way he plays to be effective catching back shoulder throws. So Notre Dame really needs Deion Colsey to step up this year. And frankly, if it doesn't happen now, I think those younger guys behind him, guys like Braylon James, once they learn, once they have more time in the system and develop as college wide receivers, I think they're just going to pass him up. So it's got to be now for Deion Colsey. Next up, I've got tight end Mitchell Evans. This might be unfair, given that it's only going to be his first year as a starter, but I kind of look at it as this. If he struggles this year or isn't really that effective, then he's probably going to get passed up by those younger guys in Eli Raritan and Holden Stays. Eli Raritan has already suffered two significant knee injuries in his career, but physically he's probably the most gifted of any tight end in that room. Holden Stays was pretty underrated as a recruit, and he's probably tight end two right now until Eli Raritan is back to full health. I think Marcus Freeman said he's fully healthy, but I, I don't. I don't totally take stock in what he says about injuries right now. He seems a little bit overeager. But anyway, if those guys, those guys are chomping at the bit to get on the field more and more. And I, I think that the worst case scenario for Mitchell Evans is that he's just a reliable number two, which is totally fine. But I mean this more in the sense of like, is he going to be the next in line of Notre Dame great tight ends? I don't know. But this year is his chance to prove it. It's make or break in that sense of the word. He's a really strong blocker. Uh, he's consistent. And I, I think he's going to play a lot. 
But if Eli Raritan and Holden Stays pass him up as more of the receiving threat, then we're probably looking at Mitchell Evans as like another George Takis, a really good number two, but never the focal point at the tight end position. Last up here, I've got Jason Anye, the defensive lineman. Prior to the spring, I honestly would have been inclined to put him on the never-going-to-happen list or the doubt-it's-going-to-happen list in this case, but he became one of the biggest surprises of spring practice, and he even said it himself uh, during one of his press conferences that he knew that was a, that it was a make-or-break year going into winter workouts, and he worked his ass off, and it showed. Um, he said he was 275 pounds last season, and now he's 292 pounds with 12% body fat. He's going to be the backup nose probably at the start of the season, but he's much bigger than Howard Cross. Anya is six foot four, 292 pounds, so he's definitely going to have a chance to see the field a lot this year, and we don't really have that many known commodities on the defensive line. So if Jason Anya gets out there and he becomes really productive, we're looking at his career entirely differently than we would have you know, just a few months ago, honestly. So I've got those three guys as the make it or break it in this junior class. And coming up after this, I'll explain why each of these guys, including the seniors that are entering make or break seasons, will have a huge impact on what Notre Dame is able to achieve this season. All right, now as we wrap things up here, let's go over all the names of the guys who I think are entering make it or break it years. So out of the senior class, I've got Jordan Botello, Xavier Watts, and Ramon Henderson. In the junior class, I've got Deion Colsey, Mitchell Evans, and Jason Anya. Notre Dame's biggest concerns right now have to do with the pass rush and the safety position on defense. And you'll notice that Jordan Botello, Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, and even Jason Anya to an extent are all playing on the defensive line or at safety. So their development is going to be pretty critical to what this Notre Dame defense can do this season. I've talked about Patello and the pass rush. They also need some help on the interior because Howard Cross is really good, but he's a bit undersized. And Notre Dame is losing Jason Adamiola, and Jason Anye is a bigger body who could come in and start to fill those gaps and make things easier for the Notre Dame linebackers. Because even though people have concerns about, you know, Leah Fow, uh, or Bertrand, I feel pretty confident what that Notre Dame linebacking core is going to do this season. I don't think that that's really a concern at all. So it's going to come down to what this defensive line does and guys like Jordan Botello and Jason Anya, because if they can't get a pass rush, if they can't get behind the line of scrimmage and disrupt plays in the backfield, that Notre Dame defense is going to be in some trouble, right? Like even though they have great corners, Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart, and potentially Thomas Harper, if the quarterback has all day to throw, some guys are going to get open. It's just going to happen. So Notre Dame needs Botello to really make that leap this year and be consistent, be reliable throughout the season, or else guys who are good and are productive, they're going to look worse because, frankly, they're just put into bad situations. Then you've got Deion Colsey and Mitchell Evans. Uh, offensively, we know the quarterback is going to be much better than what we had last year. That's probably an understatement in comparing Sam Hartman to Drew Pine. The running game is also probably going to be really strong despite the loss of running back Logan Diggs because I just think that highly of, of the offensive line, and I think Audrey Estime in this role where he is the main feature back is just going to have a really, really great year. But Sam Hartman needs some big targets to throw to, and Deion Colsey and Mitchell Evans are two big targets that would be perfect for Sam Hartman. Deion Colsey, I mentioned his body type. The only guy in the, in the receiver room who has something similar to that is Tobias Merriweather. Tobias could make it or could jump him tomorrow if Deion Colsey does not force himself onto the field and make plays to keep himself out there so that the coaching staff doesn't want to take him off the field. Mitchell Evans, I mentioned it before, he could just get passed up by younger guys. So it's not as like impactful to the entire Notre Dame offense because I think that there's more options behind Mitchell Evans at tight end uh, so long as they stay healthy. Deion Colsey... As a veteran wide receiver, Notre Dame really needs him to step up. Um, even though they've got some young guys who are getting ready, 
we already know how Nareem is with freshman wide receivers. Even though I think Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, and Braylon James are all going to be really good, to expect them to go out there and get like 40 catches this season just seems unreasonable based on, one, what we've seen from Notre Dame, and two, I think it's a lot of pressure to put on any true freshman. So Notre Dame needs Deion Colsey to step up, and if even if he's not the wide receiver number one, that's totally fine. That's probably going to be Jane Thomas, and I feel really good about that. I feel very comfortable with Jane Thomas being the number one target at wide receiver for Notre Dame this year. But you need more than one option. And even though Tobias Merriweather has all the potential in the world, we haven't really seen it from him, and we haven't really seen it from Deion Colsey, but Deion Colsey has been around for one more full season, and we've seen flashes of what he could be at wide receiver. He's made some critical third-down catches uh, both in 2022 and in 2021. I remember he had a big third-down catch against USC his freshman season. I was like, man, this guy's going to be really good. And we just haven't seen it. We just haven't seen him take that next step to hit that next level and be a really effective big body receiving target for Notre Dame. Again, this could all change. Having Sam Hartman certainly helps that. But Notre Dame really needs that. They need more than one option on the outside, and they really need to have an explosive offense this season because there are some concerns about the defense. And when you look at these six players, if each one of these guys turns out to take that next step and they end up being really good for Notre Dame, Notre Dame has all the pieces they need to make the playoff and make a serious run. Because if Patello is good and Jason Anya is really good, then that defensive line is going to be a lot better. And the whole defense is going to improve uh, because of that. Same with Xavier Watts and same with Ramon Henderson. They're, those four are kind of the keys. Now, of course, Antonio Carter, Thomas Harper, they might have a say in all that. Like if Ramon Henderson isn't that good, but those transfers are, then we're looking at things differently. But Xavier Watts needs to be like a real playmaker back there. I don't know if any of those other guys are. Even DJ Brown, even though he's consistent, I don't think we're like, wow, look at that play that DJ Brown just made. He just is in the right spot, making the right play. Notre Dame needs difference makers to get to the college football playoff. And then on offense, I I was just saying it, Deion Colsey, Mitchell Evans, to be a great offense at Notre Dame, you're probably going to need a really great tight end. Mitchell Evans has a chance this year, and we'll see what happens. But if all of these guys, or even the majority of these guys, take that jump, I think we're going to look at this team much differently, and our hopes are going to be even higher for the 2023 season. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, and that's another week of Lockdown Irish in the books. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Before you get a head start on your weekend, remember to please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram, at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account, at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Enjoy your weekend, everybody, and I will see you again next week.